I like to start from the very beginning, much to the chagrin of, of my daughter when we were doing home education. It was like, no, you've got to get the basics. <laughs> and so I thought we'd talk about God wants you well. It's a very good place to start. You know, if we don't know that God actually wants us well, how can we have any confidence? How can we believe God for it? We have to know. And we have to know to the point where there's no nigglies. You know what I mean by nigglies? Nigglies in the back of the brain that just, yes, I know that's wrong, but it just reminds you, you know. You've got to get rid of the nigglies. And so the best way to do that is to bring them out into the open, discuss them, find out what God's word actually says about them and pulverise them. Blow them away, you know, so that you know that you know that you know. And then those nigglies don't have any power over you and you can just (laughs) blow them away. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And some of the, these things that we might talk about might consider a bit to be basic, but, you know, line upon line, precept upon precept, God lays, you know, we need the foundation to build a house on. We need layer on layer. We go from glory to glory. We never totally get there, totally perfected, but we're on our way on our way and moving forward, yes. not going backwards, you know, and, and you can't do that unless you've got, we've got a solid foundation. And to go over them, you know, make them current in our lives is like we can forget these things. Yes. Yes. We've got to make sure that they're on the tip of our tongue, right. you know, on the tip of our tongue, just like a pianist. You know, yeah. practices their scales. Yeah. Well, they don't go into a performance and practice and and play their scales, yeah. but they have to do those scales in their practice yeah. so that they can do the more complicated pieces right. in their right. in their performance. You know, it it's the foundation. Keep going. You know, I, when uh, I home educated two of my children, and. My middle one, the youngest one, never went to school, but the middle one was at school and he had gone halfway through year seven and I gave him the choice of whether he wanted to come home or not and do home ed. So it was his choice and he wanted to. So he came home and then we discovered to, for him to, you know, doing his work, the maths, he'd missed a whole lot of stuff. We actually had to go back to year four maths in some things you know, there were holes. Yeah, yeah. You know, some things where he was okay. He was probably at the year seven level. But some things, it was just like he just totally had missed that one. And so we had to, it was year four level, we had to eventually backtrack too yeah. and build on that foundation because he just couldn't go any further. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's so important that we do that. And uh, John 1.1 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word. If we start with the word all the time, we'll be in a very good place. Amen. Okay, so number two in your notes. The majority of religion today will teach that God can heal or deliver. He can. 
or that God does have the power, but they aren't sure he wants to use it every single time. You've all heard the argument, surely, you know. God only heals some people or some of the time. Um, God wants you sick to learn something. Oh, I've just got to learn. I've just, you know, I'm, I've got to learn patience in this. We self-impose these things that we have to learn out of these terrible situations. Uh, God wills for you to be sick as punishment. I knew I shouldn't have done that. That's why I've got this. I shouldn't have said that. I should have, you know, it's a punishment. And same, similar to the, to the last reason, I've got to develop something, I've got to grow in my character and then I won't be, you know. God desires for us to be in that situation. His ways are above our ways. <laughs> it all sounds so righteous and holy, doesn't it? Sounds it, yeah. I was once talking to a lady many, many years ago and she was from a different church and uh, she was telling me about a situation of a, of a young boy who, I can't really remember the situation, he was either being abused or he was, he was in a, I can't imagine she would have tolerated that, but I think it was a de- very debilitating uh, disease that he had on him. And she was just saying, oh, he's going to be a much stronger person because of it. And I said a few things. (laughs) And we had to agree to disagree. She couldn't see it. It, She had that mindset. And they think it's, it's like a justification for that to be the way it is. And as we'll find out later, as we keep talking... That that's not the case. God is good all the time, and He's not an abusive father at all. You know? I had another situation. There was a, a a girl in our another church, and it was quite a small church, but um, she came and was chatting with me one day, and and uh, she was telling me how her sis- God had taken her sister. She died in a car crash and that it was God's will and he'd taken her home to be with him. And I told her again that that was not God that did that. That was not God's will. I was like, oh, it's like I'd hit her, you know. It was very hard for her to take. She never spoke to me again. Oh, for two years. She didn't speak to me, which was very obvious when you're in a small church. It's like... Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, eventually she came to me and spoke to me again after two years and thanked me for telling her that because it had set her free in her relationship with God. How can you love and serve an abusive God? You can't. You can think you can, but you can't. Not in reality, not from your heart. No. Okay. Number three. Receiving from God is absolutely dependent upon us knowing 
that we have asked according to his will. So I, you needed notes because we're going to go through a lot of scriptures and I thought this is going to take forever if we're going to look at them all up. So we've got them written down, most of them anyway. I'll have a few extras for you. So 1 John 5, 14 says, And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. Okay, so receiving from God is dependent on us knowing that we have asked according to his will. So this verse tells us that we have to believe yes. when we ask, right? We have to um, have confidence towards him that when we ask, it is ours. So we have to believe. In Romans 10 verse 9 it says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That was my phone, sorry. I better turn the volume down. Isn't that bad? <laughs> you don't make that mistake, do you? Oh, That's going to fix that. I thought of that this morning. Oh, I should do that. Whoops. So we have to believe. We confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead and we will be saved. So in the same way that we got saved is the same way that we receive anything from the Lord. We have to believe, don't we? Healing isn't anything, isn't it? It's part of that category. So it's the same way. We have to believe. Um, Colossians 2 verse 6, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Same way you received Christ again, keep walking in him. How did we receive? We believed unto salvation. We heard the word, the word created faith in us, and we believed. That's the same with healing. We hear the word, it creates faith in us, and we believe. Okay? Um, these might be some extra ones. I don't know if they're in your notes. Romans 10 verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Yes. Well, if everyone calls on the name of the Lord is saved, yeah. we can relate that to healing because, as we'll learn later, maybe, <laughs> um, is we know that healing happened at the same time as salvation. So everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Yeah. And that saved means healing, deliverance, yeah. peace. Now, Ephesians 2 verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Okay, so it's the gift of God. It's not what we do. We can't earn anything. It's the free gift of God. All we do is believe and receive. Yeah? Yeah. So think about it. When we got saved, if we didn't know that if we believed on the word of God, we would be saved, how would we know we were saved? We'd be depending on a flash of light, an audible voice of God. 
which has happened, but it's not the usual. Most of us probably just heard it. The faith came in our hearts and we believed what we heard. We went, okay, if, it says, if God says that, we believe it, we've received salvation. It means I'm saved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same as for healing. We believe. And by the word, we know we're healed. Mm. So it's by the word. Start with the word yeah, yeah. and we'll be in a good place. Right. Yeah? yeah? Colossians 2 verse 8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. So we need to know the word and have the word as our first response. You know, a first responder, a paramedic, applying first aid, that can be critical in a situation of life and death, can't it? Well, the word is first aid. What we apply as first aid is critical in a moment of life and death. Amen? Okay. So going back, thinking about all those excuses that can come up as to why we can't be healed, they all sound so holy, but they destroy confidence, don't they? They totally destroy our confidence and our confidence towards God. And what we, that first scripture we read in this section is 1 John 5.14. This is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. It's being confident. Yes. No nigglies. They're blown away. Absolutely. Being confident in God. Okay. Some people believe what their experiences tell them more than what the word of God tells them. Well, we can relate to that, to the scripture that we just talked about. See to it, no one takes you captive by philosophy, Colossians 2.8, and empty deceit according to human tradition. These things have just been passed down. Somebody made up the excuses because they didn't get what they wanted. So they made an excuse to justify their actions, their loss. Yeah, it's hard. But who's God? Is it? He or is it me? You know? Who who are we going to believe? We're going to believe my word or are we going to believe God's word? And it's God's word that is the truth. So we can't rely on human tradition and make excuses. In Hosea 4 verse 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. No? That says it all, doesn't it? <sighs> that old saying, oh, you know that old saying, what you don't know won't hurt you. <laughs> or what you don't know can actually kill you. So, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 to 4. 
His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Through the knowledge of him. Did you see that? Granted us, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. We have to know what Jesus has done in and for us. I tell you, yesterday when I was, you know, finalising all my notes and just writing them all out, I tell you what, being in the, in the word for a day, that'll get you happy. it's the knowledge of God isn't it it's like it'll still the storm Hmm. oh that was my next line there you go having knowledge of God and his word will help hold us firm when the storm starts raging yeah we've got to know for a certainty and be able to you know go to the word Look at it. Remind ourselves of it. Is it Proverbs? Keep your word before your eyes. For they are life and health to all our flesh. It's like, don't just quote it. Look it up. Read it. Get it in our eyes. Have it before us, you know. It's amazing how many times you can read something and then I remember... When I was young, you know, you're reading the word and it's like, oh, over the top, you know, what does this mean? But years of reading and hearing it and and then you go, oh, got it. Got one layer anyway, you know, got it. So it doesn't get old, doesn't get old. We have to keep it current in our lives. So number four, we have to believe we receive when we pray and then there will be a future manifestation. So we've been reading Mark 11, 24 quite a lot in healing school. In the New King James, it says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Okay. In the English Standard Version... It says, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for, ask in prayer, believe that you have received it. See that subtle difference? And it will be yours. Those two are in your notes, so you can look at what I'm talking about. In the New King James, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And that, maybe it's just my brain, but that makes sense. But then you go to the English Standard Version, believe that you have received it, already received it. You take it at that point. It is mine. I might not see it right now because the verse even says, you will have them. So that's future tense. You will have them. It might only be one minute. And you will have it. 
it might be a bit longer. But you will have it. Amen? So believe that we have received it and it will be ours. And for us to believe we have received, we have to know that it is God's will for us to be healed. So we know the story of Jesus cursed the fig tree. Yeah. In Matthew 21 verse 19, it tells us that the fig tree died immediately. So it's in Mark and it's in Matthew, the story of the fig tree. But Matthew tells us differently to, it's not told us in Mark. In Matthew, it says that the fig tree died immediately. But it wasn't visible until the next day that it had died. So death had started below the surface where it wasn't visible to the human eye. So I'd say that story is in the Bible for a reason, Mm -hmm. to teach us (laughs) that when we pray, we believe we have received and it has started. We might not be able to see the complete manifestation of it yet, but we know that it has started. So the moment we pray and believe for healing, is the moment we receive our healing. We have received it and that there will be a manifestation. So a little point to illustrate this was many years ago when I was a teenager, I started getting warts on my hands. I was going to get married I got married at 19, so I was still a teenager. And you want your hands to look beautiful, don't you? (laughs) So that was coming up. So I had them cut off, still got the scars, cut off, burnt off, um, acided off, um, everything that was possible. I tried it. And they just kept coming back more, more and more. So eventually my hands had 33 warts warts all over them. Didn't wear rings. I wear rings now. (laughs) Didn't wear rings because I didn't want to draw attention to my hands, you know. (laughs) Always hiding them. It's horrible. But I started to believe God. And I started to speak to the mountains. This was many years later. This was after two children. Okay, so the young, the Nathan was, um, our second son was only one year old. And I started to believe God. I'd been believing God and I went out on prayer lines, you know, I'd done all that. But I started to learn about believing the word. For yourself. And I got to the point where I was actually at a doctor's appointment because I'd had a melanoma taken off my leg. And I used that time because I couldn't walk for two weeks 
use that time to get into the word. And God just taught me out of the word and learned about healing. And, uh, and I started to believe in my hands and thought, you know, I'll believe that they're gone. So I was actually at this doctor's appointment and, you know, the receptionist brings you over the, the clipboard and hands you, you know, and you take the pen and she goes, oh, look at your hands. <laughs> I went, oh, don't worry about those. They're gone. It was just rolled off my tongue. It just came out. My mum was with me and she wasn't sort of at that point in her faith. And, uh, but she didn't say anything. And, and I, was, I was just so confident. I just knew that I knew. I said, oh, I don't worry about those. They're gone. And some might say, well, you weren't at that with your leg, but, you know, it's all a process. We're all in a process. We're all going. Glory to glory. And since then, I've been able to stand against them of all my children. We've probably got rid of over 150, maybe even 170 warts. Wish I'd counted them, you know. Over three of us, you know, me and my two sons. I don't think Charlotte ever had them because it was like, I knew then, it was like, get off. <laughs> But, you know, I had to believe that they were gone while they were still there. And I think it was about three months before they started going. And the symptoms of them going were the same symptoms that I had when they were growing. I used to become very itchy and irritated. And I'd know that there was another one coming up. Well, it was that exact same symptom I got when they were leaving. So I had a choice, didn't I? I could have gone, oh, there's more coming. Or I could say, no, what the word says. I speak to the mountain. Every plant that is not planted by my heavenly father is rooted up in Jesus' name. And I would declare, I have smooth, clean skin. I didn't look at what I had. I looked at what I did have. Amen. Amen. And so they would become irritated and one by one they would leave. And I think it was about every three days or maybe over a week, one would go down and disappear. And then the next one would start to get itchy and it would go down and disappear. But see, that was started at the roots, wasn't it? Just like the fig tree just like the fig tree. But if I had have aborted my faith, I wouldn't have seen the manifestation, even though it had begun. Yeah, yeah. It's like, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. <laughs> okay. Number five. There's a link between the level of your soul's prosperity and the level of your health, level of our health. In 3 John chapter 1, verse 2 in the New King James, we're going to do a little word study again here on these two versions. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health 
just as your soul prospers. Okay. In the English Standard Version, it says, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you. So it's defining the word prosper. All may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. It happens in the spiritual realm first and then it happens in the physical realm. It happens in the faith realm first and then it happens in manifestation. So we need to go by what the word says, not by what our symptoms say. And I know symptoms can be very overwhelming at times. But start now before you don't get that in that situation. You know, make hay while the sun shines. Learn about healing before you need it. Mm. How do we have a prospered soul? It's not, notice it's not a prospered spirit. Our spirit is already, has already been perfected. It's not talking about our spirit. It's talking about our soul. And it's by the renewing of our minds with the word. I'm transformed by the renewing of my mind, says Romans in Romans 12 too. That's how we prosper our soul. We have... It's a every everything that I touched on here today probably has another whole subject as a you know next to it, but we just can't no. go there. Everything today, so we're transformed by the renewing of our minds, and that's how we have a prosperous soul. We know what's in the spirit. We know what God's done for us. We have confidence before God. We've got to change our mind. Yeah, yeah. The way it's been programmed has to be changed so that we can see the manifestation. Amen. So God's will for us is to be well. Number six, Jesus never refused to heal a single person. In Matthew chapter 8, Verses 1 to 3. When he came down from the mountain, talking about Jesus, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. So we here see that the leper asking if it was God's will. Have you heard people praying, if it be thy will? Yeah. Well, this is probably what they're basing it on. Well, it's in the Bible. He asked, if it's your will, surely that's what we can all do. Isn't that what we're all supposed to say? But it's not. It's not justification for us to pray that way because that period of time, even though it's in the New Testament, it was still an Old Testament period because the New Covenant hadn't been established yet. 
It was still under the old covenant of, of law, yeah. not under the new covenant of grace. So Jesus came to show us what was in our new covenant, which he was then going to go on and purchase for us at the cross. But he was showing them. They didn't know at that stage and showing us as we read it. So Jesus hadn't gone to the cross, so therefore he didn't know. So he was saying, is it your will? I don't know. Because in the Old Testament, they'd grown up, in, the Jewish people had grown up with all the stories of God going in and killing everybody and telling everybody to, to slaughter that nation and women, children and animals. And, and it's like, whoa, there's a shift. And yeah, there was a shift. And that's why Jesus came to set us free from all that and to show us that it was his will. will. So we can be assured that it is his will, so we've got no right to be praying, if it be thy will, in that situation. Lord, if you want me to go shopping today, will you let me know? That's okay, but not healing. We know for a fact. Salvation, prosperity, peace. We know for a fact that all those things are ours, are in the new covenant, and so we have, have a right to them. We don't have to ask if it by thy, be thy will. Okay. And what he's done for another person, he'll do for you. Romans 2.11 says God shows no partiality. There's no favourites because we're all his favourites. I hear Terry all the time. She says, oh, I'm God's favourite. But it's not, it's not because she's the only favourite. <laughs> she just knows she is. <laughs> but see, that's how I received. I had the faith. My faith was kindled to start believing that my hands would be healed because I heard, had heard somebody else get up and testify. And I hadn't heard a lot of people testify. I've been in the, church, in the Pentecostal church since I was 15. When I met Andrew. But before that, I was in the Anglican church, grew up there. And, and I, even through all my Pentecostal days, I'd not heard, you know, there was always, you know, someone over there that got healed, but I never had met somebody, you know. And then it was in a church up here, we'd moved up here because we were from Sydney originally, and, uh, and I heard somebody say that they'd been healed of asthma. Oh, well, there you go. God can do it for them. He can do it for me. It was a different sickness, but it's still a sickness, you know. So he has no, there's no favourites. He shows no partiality. What he does for one, he'll do for another. And you see the power of testimony, don't you, through that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's hearing the word. Testi our testimony is preaching the word to somebody. Right. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Yeah. You might not be actually reading out of the Bible, but you're telling them what's in yeah. the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. 
No? Testimony, very powerful. Number seven. We're powering through these. Jesus represented God the Father perfectly. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 to 3, it says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So it tells us there that Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature. He represents him perfectly. Jesus represented the Father perfectly. And that's why he came. And that's what he was doing with the, the leper. He was telling him what the perfect will of God was for his life. Even though they hadn't experienced it up to that stage because God had had to bring in the law for a whole reason. But he was coming now to show the true nature of God. And that's what we have to learn, isn't it? We have to learn. And the way we learn it, the word, seeing who Jesus was, what he did, that's the exact imprint of the Father, of, the God's, of God's nature. In John 5, 19 says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. There you go. Jesus only does what he sees the Father do. So we can trust what Jesus has done, that that's actually God's will. Yes. It is God's will yes. because Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So we can see that it is God's will and without a doubt we can be confident before God. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says, talking about Jesus, no, it's not, it's talking about God. He was manifested in the flesh. Jesus was God manifested in the flesh. So he's going to represent him perfectly, isn't he? If he is him, he's, he's going to re represent him perfectly. Amen? Amen? No, a house divided against itself will fall. Yes. He's not going to do one thing in heaven and do one thing on earth. Amen. How is that going to bring unity? Yeah. It's, not. it's not. So Jesus was the exact imprint And we're created in his image. That same spirit is in us. In us. But that's for another day. <laughs> so Jesus, oh, there we go. Jesus went about doing good and healing everyone. That's Acts 10, 38. 
how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So there's no example in the New Testament where Jesus gave sickness. None. And that's the book that we live out of. Yes. yes, we learn out of the Old Testament. Yes, there are periods in there where David was prophesying and, and you know, gave us a, a, a glimpse of what it was like. Bless the Lord, on oh my soul, who's forgiven. I know this scripture really well. You know, you try and crowd it. And forget not all his benefits. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. Well, that was a glimpse into the New Testament. And that's our covenant. You know? So, there we go. So if we're not convinced that it's God's will to heal all, you'll get a niggly, we'll get a niggly in the back of our brain saying, and the devil will jump on us, and tell us that we're the one that God doesn't want to heal. We're that one. Might only be one. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Very good, Ruth. <laughs> but you know what? He'll then, the devil is, he'll then go around to everybody, all of us, and tell us all that we're that one. Liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> So then, another reason, if we, really, if we really believe that God gave us sickness and that we're supposed to learn something from it, we've got no business going to a healing line on Sunday and then going to the doctor and saying, oh, I want to get rid of it. Well, aren't you submitting to the will of God by being sick? It's like... We have to be consistent. Yeah, loopy. <laughs> yeah. But that's what the devil does, isn't it? It sends us loopy. Like when, if you think it, we come out of those thoughts and we go, how did I ever believe that? How? It just doesn't make sense. When you know the word, you can read. Well, I, as I said, I grew up in the Anglican church and, and the early Pentecostal church which was quite religious when we, I was there. And, and you think, and everything is preached through the law. And you go, well, yeah, I do feel condemned. And God says, anyway, I'm going to get into something that I can't explain properly, but anyway. And, but, but reading the, the New Testament through the, through the eyes of God, through his love, it totally explains it. And there's such a peace that comes because of it. It's very different, very different. So I'm not saying don't go to the doctor, but we have to do all things in faith, don't we? Go to the doctor in faith knowing that God wants you well. Not say that you're suffering for Jesus on Sunday and trying to get rid of it on Monday. So in heaven, there is no sickness and disease. And how do we know? Matthew 6, 
verse 9 to 10. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There we have it. On earth as it is in heaven. It's supposed to be the same thing. So Adam and Eve were created in God's image, right? According to his pattern, the way he wanted it in the spiritual realm, right? They were without sickness and disease. It did not trouble them whatsoever. That was what God wanted. Sickness and death entered the world and humanity at the time of the fall. So that's not what God wanted. That's why Jesus came to set it right. Yeah? Amen? So we can be quite confident. Number eight, God gave us life, breath and all things. But he's not the one who controls death. The devil causes death. John 10.10, the thief comes only. He only comes. He doesn't come to be your friend. He only comes to steal, kill and destroy. There's no other reason that he comes, it tells us here. He hasn't come to give you a good time. He comes to kill, steal and destroy. But Jesus came, he says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Black and white, there it is. It's really quite clear, isn't it? We've got to be pretty stupid not to get it. <laughs> we all wake up eventually. <laughs> and in Hebrews 2 verse 14, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, talking about Jesus, likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. 1 Peter 5 verse 8, Be sober-minded, be watchful, your adversary. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Well, when you get devoured, you're pretty well dead, I reckon. <laughs> or it's going to lead to it anyway. Yes? Yes. The devil is the one who causes death. And sickness is never from God. It's an oppression of the devil. So we have every right to say go. No and go. So if Satan can ever get you to think that God put this sickness on you, then you won't fight against it. You won't resist. Does it say in James 4, 7? Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist. Resist means to actively fight against. Actively. It's not if it be thy will. It's not, oh, well, I'm just waiting for God to do it. 
we have to actively fight against. We cannot be passive. And God is not control on the earth. God is in control. No, he's not. We are. God gave us authority. Yeah. God gave us authority so we cannot be passive. So there we go down to that scripture that Pastor Kim has been telling us about. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. We have to be violent. You know, God gave us anger, not to use against each other. Use against the devil. You've got to be angry against him. You've got to stand up and resist. You know, an army doesn't just casually go out to fight, do they? They're determined. They've got a plan. And the plan is to conquer, not just see what happens. <laughs> it's like actively fight against, actively resist. You know that, that scripture that says... Um, let not the sun go down on your wrath. And it's, yes, it's spoken about don't go to bed angry. Don't have, hold something against somebody and go, go to bed angry. If you're married, sort it out before you go to sleep, you know, that sort of thing. But there's another interpretation. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. Don't let the sun go down and you give up on your anger against the devil. Keep going. Keep persevering. Keep believing God. Don't let, just because the sun goes down and say, oh, well, it's all over. No. There's another day of fighting. Keep going. Keep going. Because it's not our experience that determines what the yeah, word is. Right. It's the word, only the word of God that it is the truth. Okay. Number nine. This is our last point. Jesus became a curse for us and redeemed us from the curse. In Galatians 3.13 it tells us that. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So there we go. That's when he paid for us to enter into the new covenant and receive everything that God actually wanted for us in our lives. So I'm redeemed from the curse now. I'm saved from it. It no longer has power over me. I might still not do everything perfectly right, but that doesn't enter into it. I'm he paid to get that curse off my life. It no longer has the power over me. I now have the power to say, no, I'm not going to get into that that causes me not to please God and to allow open the door to the devil basically. Yes, he does lurk. Nasty character. Hmm. 
So the power of, of it, the power that it had over me has been broken. Hallelujah. And in Deuteronomy chapter 28, you possibly all know, that's the listings of the blessings and the cursings, right? In Deuteronomy 28 verse 15 it says, But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. So this is what they were living under in the Old Testament, the threat of this hanging over their heads. It'd be a mess, wouldn't you? So just to give, there's too many for us to read through today, but just to give you a snapshot in verse 22, it says, the Lord will strike you with wasting disease and with fever, inflammation and fiery heat, and with drought and with blight and with mildew. It's like, and this, and this, and this. <laughs> it's like instilling terror. <laughs> and they shall pursue you with, until you perish. Oh, aren't we glad we don't live then? Verse 27, the Lord will strike you with the boils of Egypt and with tumours and scabs and itch of which you cannot be healed. The Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and confusion of mind. We get the picture? Sickness, hey? But then in Deuteronomy 28, I read you the last of the chapter first because we really didn't want to finish on that. No, no. We wanted to finish on the good stuff, yeah? Right. So we go back to verse 1. If you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Now, I in my religiosity used to read that. Didn't know there was a difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. You can't put a new wine, new wine in an old wineskin because it'll burst, Right. You can't mix the Old Testament and the New Testament together. There is a separation. And I'd read that. Oh, that's wonderful. If, if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Well, I was still smart enough to know that I, couldn't ple I didn't please God perfectly. <laughs> you know, there were still things. I might not. I might have lived very holy, but sin is not just what we do that we know we shouldn't. It's also what we don't know that we know we should. Yeah, yeah. Did you get that? Yeah, yeah. Did I say that right? That's right. Yeah. So, and I go, well, I can't obey the voice of the Lord perfectly. Didn't understand what Jesus had done for me. 
But Jesus gave me his righteousness so that I can inherit the blessings, even though I still don't live perfectly keeping all the commandments. You know, we, we grow and we, our nature is changed and I don't do the things now that I used to do when I was three years old. You know, we grow. So there should be a change in our outward living. That's, but that's become, that becomes because Jesus gave us his righteousness. And that's why in, I inherit the blessings. It's not conditional upon what I do. It's conditional upon what Jesus has done for me. Romans 5 verse 9, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. We're saved from the curses. Because Jesus bore that curse for me. All God's wrath was placed on Jesus for me so that I didn't have to bear it. Amen. So we can see from Deuteronomy that health is in the blessing section, sickness in the cursing section, and just another little quick thing is God doesn't even allow sickness on me so that it works out to be a blessing in the long term. I'm learning from this. And we've all been through situations and we've come out better for it. We've learned something. But that doesn't mean that God actually instituted it. He didn't put that on us so that we would learn it. We were just smart and learnt from it. If you're going to go through something, you may as well learn from it. Yeah. What the devil means for harm, God turns for good. Amen. Is that a scripture? Is that actually a scripture? Because I couldn't find it. But I've been saying it all my life. What is, did you know? Is it a paraphrase? What is it? I think it's a paraphrase of Romans 8.29. It says God works all things together for good. Ah, okay. That's what it was. Must be. Yes, well, that came up in my search, but I was wondering if there was actually those words. So, yes, what the devil means for harm, God turns for good. All things work together for good. God makes a way through the wilderness, doesn't he? Psalm 107 verse 20 says he, he sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. That's talking about the cross. I just got that yesterday. It's like our destruction. Well, our destruction was having a sinful nature and we're redeemed from that. Like I've been quoting that for years, delivers us from all our destructions, you know, everything that comes against me and to destroy me. 
But he delivered us at the cross from those destructions. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? And then Proverbs 4, verse 20 to 22. My son or daughter, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. That's what the word says. That's what we believe. Amen. And it'll do us good just spending time going over those scriptures, isn't it? It just feeds feeds us and be confident before God. So good. Amen. Amen. So let's pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we receive the truth of Mark eleven twenty four. We receive it as truth that it is your will that we be well. And thank you, Father, that faith comes by hearing as we hear your word. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that Jesus went about healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And we thank you, Father, for hope and faith rising in our hearts. And we submit to your healing power that flows through your word into our lives, into every situation that confronts us today. We receive your healing power through your word into our lives. And we thank you for it, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So if you've got something on your body right now, just put your hand on it as we pray. And as we've, we've received that healing power through the word today, just lay your hand on that situation. Or if it's something not physical in your body, put your hand on your heart and just receive the power of God into that situation. Say, thank you, Lord. I receive your truth and your peace over that situation. In Jesus' name. 